0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with
2: Joe Sorallo. we go, episode 51 of Sorallo Sports Talk, and there is just so much to unpack. My man Josh Booty is going to be joining the show shortly. He will break down all of the fantastic quarterback play that we saw in Divisional Weekend, but let's talk about the best game, right? Because we thought it couldn't get better game after game. Each of the first three games this weekend ended with the road team, the road underdog, kicking a game-winning field goal as time expired. Three games in a row. Absolutely unreal, unbelievable. And then the fourth game somehow finds a way to top it. Look, I said all week leading up to the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, I said that was the Super Bowl, right? That game should have just been the Super Bowl because whoever won that game was going to go on and win the Super Bowl. That was the game all postseason that we all were dying for, that we all needed To see. It was Josh Allen and the Bills, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and we got the game we needed. We got a game that is by far going to be known as the best game from this postseason. I'm sorry, neither of the conference championship games are going to top that. Super Bowl 56 out in SoFi Stadium in LA is not going to top that. This was maybe the best game in NFL history. Maybe. This was absolutely insane. And, like I said, there's so much to unpack. So, let's start. First things first if Tyler Bass and the Buffalo Bills squib the kick with 13 seconds left after taking a 36 33 lead, they probably win the game. I, I just off the bat, and I'm sorry, Buffalo. I'm sorry, Bills Mafia. I, I know that, you know, Bills fans make up a large contingency of my listener base. And I'm sorry to share that sad reality with you, but you were probably screaming it at your TVs as well. If Buffalo squibs the kick, some time comes off the clock, and there's a chance, it's not a guarantee, but there's a chance that squibbing the kick as opposed to kicking it out of the back of the end zone for a touchback is the difference between Buffalo winning and hosting Cincinnati next week versus Buffalo going home, wasting an all time performance from Josh Allen, an all time performance from Gabriel Davis, and their season being over it. It might have come down to that squib kick. Now, another thing that's true. If Tyreek Hill slides down instead of scoring a touchdown with a minute and two seconds left, the Kansas City Chiefs win or at the very least guarantee overtime the same result without all the drama of the final minute. Without Josh Allen's 49 second drive, without Patrick Mahomes' 13 second drive, if Tyreek Hill slides down, now I as not football fan Joe Serrallo, but as Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half better Joe Serrallo, I'm screaming for Tyreek Hill to slide down at the five yard line on that crossing route now mind you I also had a fairly big parlay that needed the Chiefs to win and cover minus one and a half and needed Tyreek Hill to score a touchdown those were the only two legs remaining and I said screw the parlay I needed the Chiefs minus two and a half straight up I'm yelling at Hill, slide, slide, slide. And everyone I'm watching the game with is telling me, you're absolutely crazy. He's about to be in the be in the end zone. Buffalo's going to need a touchdown. It's going to be a four-point game, pending the extra point. You're nuts. Take the touchdown. And I just looked them all dead in the eye, and I said, a minute and two seconds and three timeouts is too goddamn much to leave a Joshua Allen. And what did it prove to be? Two damn much to leave Josh Allen. I mean, I saw that drive coming a mile away. I love Steve Spagnuolo more than anyone. You know, I am forever indebted to Steve Spagnuolo. The nine-year-old Giants fan in me is forever indebted to him for coming up with a plan to stop the 18-0 Patriots and Tom Brady and win Super Bowl 42. I love that man, but I'm not sure he had a pulse once Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, left the game on the opening drive. With a head injury. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs had numerous opportunities to put this game away on defense and win it not 39 36, not the incredible, amazing instant classic that we're all so glad that we got to witness. The Chiefs had an opportunity, multiple opportunities, to win the game 26 21. They had multiple opportunities to forego the final 28, or or rather, because of the touchdown that won it in overtime, the final 31 points. 31 points scored inside two minutes in regulation and in overtime. I I mean, that's got to be a record in and of its own, right? The Chiefs could have foregone all of that. They had a fourth and five where they had Josh Allen sacked. Two defenders. I believe Anthony Hitchens was the first guy to get to him. Two defenders in the backfield on Josh Allen. He breaks free, runs for the first down, and then it comes down to a fourth and 13. And what does he do? He doesn't just. Get the first down. He finds Gabriel Davis for what I believe was the third of his four touchdowns, wide open in the end zone, makes Mike Hughes fall down, look silly, like he's on ice skates, and he's in no man's land in the back of the end zone. I-, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, to not be able to stop a team on fourth down is one thing, but to have a quarterback sacked on fourth and five and then have a fourth and 13 a couple of plays later and allow a first down and then a touchdown, that's an entirely different thing. This defense was absolutely abysmal. And the only reason that I'm not terrified for Kansas City going into next week, the only reason I'm guaranteeing you a Kansas City win next week, is because sooner or later, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is going to catch up with them. And that's the only reason, because nothing about this Kansas City Chiefs defense tonight Looked convincing. Nothing about this defense looked like the defense we saw from probably the Giants game and on. I'd say is when they really started to click and finally wake the hell up. I mean, this was a really good defense the second half of the regular season. I mean, they held Dallas. They performed great against the Cowboys. They they held the Chargers in check in that second matchup at SoFi Stadium. They took care of business, made the Raiders look silly twice in a in a very short span. But this defense was nowhere to be found tonight. And part of that is, of course, a credit to Josh Allen. I mean, I mentioned Gabriel Davis. I've already said his name three or four times. It's probably three or four times more than I anticipated saying it this episode. But I mean, 200 yards, four touchdowns, slippery as anything. You know, I talked about it earlier on Sunday. I went live on Instagram and I talked about some best bets for Sunday's game. And when I mentioned Cooper Cup, and betting on him to score a touchdown. First off, I hate, you know, laying any sort of odds on a touchdown prop, right? You should be getting plus odds on any prop like that. But Cup minus 120, I said, I don't care. I mean, the guy now has 18 touchdowns in 19 games this year. I use the word slippery because Cooper Cup's straight line speed is not going to burn most top cornerbacks, right? It's just not who he is. He's not a young kid right out of college. He has never been an absolute burner, but he's slippery. He's elusive, and he gets open in any sort of situation because his footwork and his route running is so precise. Now, look, I'm not here to compare Gabriel Davis to Cooper Cup, who just had an all-time season, but if we're just isolating single games, Gabriel Davis had one of the best single games that a wide receiver has ever had in NFL history. And look, his single game statistics, I mean, the four touchdowns is just absolutely insane, 200 yards has been done before, right? It's not like he's the first guy to ever do that. He had eight catches. It's not like he went 15 for 300. Four touchdowns, insane. Throw in the circumstance a road playoff game. And I know it's divisional weekend, but like I said, this game was the Super Bowl. You're talking about a game where the winner of this game is inevitably going to win the Super Bowl. The winner of this game is the best team in the NFL. And he went under the brightest lights in the biggest spotlight, and he put up that kind of game. He was Josh Allen's go-to guy in every situation. His third touchdown came on a fourth and 13. His fourth and final touchdown came in a one-minute drill with his team down four that found the end zone eventually in 49 seconds. I mean, Gabriel Davis was everything you want, not in a wide receiver, but in a football player. He was clutch He had his name and number called, not one time, not two times, not three times, not four times, over a half a dozen times he had his number called, and he answered the call every single time. Gabriel Davis is going to earn himself one hell of a payday, because in a game where Stephon Diggs did not really show up, and look, we're talking about the Chiefs secondary here, Tyron Matthew goes down on the first drive, this secondary without Tyron Matthew is not all everything. They lost Brashad Breland. I mean, Chardavius Ward, he was banged up late, and he's probably their best cornerback at this point. You know, Daniel Sorensen is a really good safety. He's a liability in coverage. And Juan Thornhill, pretty good nickel, but nowhere near the Honey Badgers effect. Uh, We're talking about a secondary that is not all that great, right? You look at both secondaries that were in last year's Super Bowl, or both teams rather, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, who are now eliminated. What's the weakness that both of those teams have? Glaring weakness on the defensive side of the ball? It's their secondaries. And Stephon Diggs did not take advantage of that. Dawson Knox, who is usually Josh Allen's go-to guy in the end zone, was nowhere to be found in the end zone. It was all Gabriel Davis, all night long, and he deserves to be remembered for that performance forever. But Josh Allen has shown us that he is every bit as good as Patrick Mahomes. Don't let the result of that game, don't let the win or loss attached to each quarterback sway your opinion there. Because let's let's be honest here, and I've made this argument several times before, wins and losses are not quarterback stats, right? The win is not a QB stat. Jimmy Garoppolo barely eclipsed 100 yards, did not throw a touchdown, turned the ball over for San Fran, and the Niners won. And by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo was not responsible for San Francisco winning at Dallas either, right? Wins are not a quarterback stat. San Francisco beat Green Bay, and, and that's a game I'll get into. I'll mention it in my final word. I'll get into it with Josh Booty. San Francisco beat Green Bay because of special teams, right? Their defense did enough. Don't get me wrong. Defense was fantastic. I got way more out of that 49ers defense than I expected, considering Bosa and Warner both left the game with injuries just a week before. Defense was fantastic. Special teams ultimately made the deciding plays. Offense had very little to do with it. I think Garoppolo made one or two, you know, really good throws in that game. Not great. It's not like he made an Eli Manning to Mario Manningham sideline throw. Not like he made a Ben Roethlisberger to Santonio Holmes corner of the end zone throw. He made probably two really good throws where he hit a guy in stride and let the receiver do the rest. He did not win them that game. Josh Allen did not lose Buffalo that game. And that brings me to my final point as to why we all need to realize Josh Allen is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. If Buffalo wins the coin toss in overtime, they win the game. And the NFL really needs to look into that rule. Now look, I've seen some takes on social media, and I've seen some people say, oh, well, where was all the clamoring for the rule change when Tom Brady did that to Mahomes in the 2018 AFC championship game, the first of now four straight AFC championship games, not just that the Kansas City Chiefs have participated in or will have participated in, but all four will have been at Arrowhead Stadium. So the first one, right? Pat's Chiefs, overtime, Brady gets the ball, never relinquishes it, Pat's score a touchdown, Brady goes on to beat the LA Rams in the Super Bowl. People are saying, well, where was the complaining then? I thought it was bullshit then. I thought it was absolute bullshit then. That Patrick Mahomes, in his first year, by the way, as a starter in the NFL, didn't get to touch the ball in overtime. Because if he did, I don't think New England was stopping him. And I think it's bullshit tonight. As you know, like I said, the better in me who took Kansas City in this game—it was my best bet of the weekend—Chiefs minus one and a half. The better in me is happy with the result, but the pure football fan in me knows that it is absolute bullshit that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills did not get a chance. To touch the ball in overtime. The NFL has a major problem when it comes to its overtime rules. You know, I think overtime in the regular season is bad enough with the possibility of a tie in the 10 minute clock. Fine, it's the regular season, whatever. Ties make things interesting. It's how the Pittsburgh Steelers got into the playoffs this year. So leave it if you want. But in the playoffs, in the postseason, when you are trying to determine a world champ and separate the best team in the world from the team that just wasn't quite good enough. You cannot let a coin flip determine that. Because if the Buffalo Bills had gotten the ball, if that coin landed on tails and the Bills got the ball and they they opted to receive, which of course any team would in overtime, right? The Bills would have won the game. And we'd be saying that it is the beginning of the Josh Allen era. And after Kansas City went to a couple straight Super Bowls, maybe the Bills go on a run right now, right? It all came down to the coin toss because Kansas City's defense was not stopping Buffalo. And just like how I said, you know, Tyreek Hill needed to slide to prevent Josh Allen from getting the ball back. And you say, oh, well, how do you guarantee that Kansas City, they would have scored. On the five yard line, fresh set of downs, a minute to go, they would have scored. And I'm telling you the same thing right now. If Josh Allen got the ball in overtime, he and the Buffalo Bills would have scored because Kansas City wasn't stopping anyone all night long. And so the NFL really needs to reevaluate, I think this offseason, Take a look at that overtime rule because we have, ha- we have now had two humongous AFC playoff games, the 2018 AFC Championship, and now in 2022, I'm calling it the Super Bowl, right? Uh, the game between the two best teams in football decided by a coin toss. And that just cannot be the case. A coin toss does not differentiate, does not separate the best team in the world from the team that just wasn't quite good enough. Because in that case, it's the team... That just wasn't quite lucky enough. And that's a damn shame because we just witnessed the best football game I've ever seen in 23 years. I don't know about some older folks out there. People can say it's one of the best football games of all time. But at the end of the day, it came down to a coin flip. And that's just wrong. But Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, right now, they're the team that advances. They're the team, I've been saying it for a couple weeks, I've been saying it since August. They're the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. When we come back, my man Josh Booty joins the show right here on Serralo Sports Talk, so stick with me, Joe Serralo. I'll be right back. And we're back here on Serralo Sports Talk, and who better to break down that wild divisional weekend than my guy, former LSU quarterback, former NFL quarterback, it's Josh Booty. Josh, what's up, man?
1: Oh, man, what a weekend. I'm glad I could join you after that. Those four games, (laughs) the Saturday games were epic, and then to come back and have Sunday games that were just as good or maybe even better uh, as a football fan and former, I guess, player, man. I mean, it was, ex- each game was so exciting when, when four games come down to the wire with kicks, you know, to seal, seal games, it's, it's pretty amazing football. And uh, you know, everybody got their money's worth. That's for sure.
2: And no doubt about it. And, you know, I was going back and forth internally. I was like, do I want to call Josh and have him on break breakdown championship Sunday next week, or do we do it divisional weekend? And the way that those games went, I mean, there's no way that the championship games come even close to what we just saw. Let's start with Sunday night. Chiefs, Bills, I'm sorry, I'm calling it the best football game of all time. Have you (laughs) ever seen anything close to that, whether it was college, your time in the pros, where, I mean, you have that many lead changes inside the two-minute warning in overtime?
1: Well, I, I totally agree with you. I think those are the best two teams in football. Me and my brother Jack were talking last night as we were amongst other friends watching the game we're like this is really the super bowl yeah. uh, the best game that we've seen in a long long time i i am trying to think back i mean that i was at the rose bowl when vince young pulled off the uh unthinkable against the trojans uh at usc um you know that was one of the, the best games i'd ever seen and i was live for that I, this this is one of the greatest football games uh i've seen in a long long time and you know josh allen just did a unbelievable job he like carries the, the entire offense on his back I think Mahomes has a a few more playmakers at his disposal and mm-hmm. that helps him and he's certainly terrific now he's going to his fourth straight ASC championship game and this is the best young quarterback uh, you know on the planet but when you think about Josh Allen and what he did on the road in Kansas City at Arrowhead uh, just with his legs his arm his toughness every each and every possession uh, you know, he didn't turn the ball over in the postseason. I think he he threw nine touchdowns, only had 12 incompletions. I saw that today. Someone posted that on an Instagram story. I'm like, that's impressive football <laughs> at the highest level of football, you know. And yeah. and the Bills having the number one defense in all of football, and Kansas City scoring 42 points against them. And those last two minutes were incredible. You're right. I, we hadn't seen anything like that in our lives in terms of score, 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 score. And, and it happened all in the last few minutes.
2: I mean, it was absolutely wild, you know, to me, and people aren't talking about this part enough because they're talking about all the scoring plays that happened, you know, inside the final two minutes and overtime, of course. But the fact that Kansas City could have easily won that game 26-21, they had two fourth downs that Josh Allen converted in that first touchdown inside the two minute warning. As a quarterback, Josh, what's going through your mind? First off, fourth and five pocket collapses now he realizes he's got he's got to get that first down. The season depends on it with his feet. What's going yep. through your mind in those do or die fourth down situations?
1: Well, they're certainly tough. You don't know really where the pressure is going to come from until it happens in the in the middle of a play. And if you're a quarterback sitting in the pocket and he's capable of running, he knows that in the back of his head that he's probably their best run threat because, you know, when he gets in the pocket and they're only rushing four, it gives him a Uh, a a level of certainty that if he can get out of uh, and away from the rush, then he'll have a chance to create first downs himself with his legs. He did that on third down a few times that fourth down play where he scrambled to the right or to the, to the, uh, I guess, the low side of your television screen was unbelievable. And then he wanted to give him a little something at the end. one of the defensive backs, that was trying to come up and tackle him when you're six, six and you're that physical and that fast. And when the game's moving that fast, I mean, He's a lethal weapon and I think he had over 60 yards rushing with his legs. He, he made some tremendous throws. I mean deep downfield throws in in cold weather too. You got to think about it. it was in the, you know, high 20s I think wind chill factor probably low 20s. Um what a, what a, what a ball game by Josh Allen, but in those situations you kind of have to understand where, you know, where the sticks are first of all down the distance and then how many rushers are coming and then can you get outside the pocket or do you have to step up inside and try to make something happen? If they if they collapse and you have to step up inside, there's a little bit less running room for a quarterback, and now he's got to think about can I can I get the first down with my legs because I think it was fourth and six or something like that. Can I get it or is there it's that second line of defense? Those linebackers sitting in the in the way uh, he was able to get out and around and create some uh, you know uh, some space for himself out there on the perimeter, which was really nice for him.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that was look that was the craziest play I've seen. I, I had a lot of money probably actually put the biggest bet of my life on Kansas city in that game last night. (laughs) I saw your
1: picks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and so as that's going down, I'm cheering. I'm like, Oh my God, they've got him sacked. And then just to see the way I think it was, and I could be wrong. I think it was Anthony Hitchens. And just to see the way Allen kind of stiff armed him and then rolled, like you said, to that low side of the TV, to his right and got the first to me, people talk about the fourth and 13 and the touchdown that happened on it. That was the play. That saved the game for Buffalo. It was that run because the pocket completely collapsed on him. The fourth and 13, Gabe Davis was wide open. And, and that's the other guy I got to ask about. I mean, Gabriel Davis, what does it mean when you're a guy like him who, you know, he's a talented wideout? And anyone who watches Bills games knows who Gabriel Davis is, but you're not Stefan Diggs, right? You're not Dawson Knox, who got his national attention against New England last week, right? You're probably the third maybe even fourth wideout on your team and you just step up 200 yards a record in the postseason four touchdowns what's what's your mindset when you're that guy when you're the guy who just steps up and kind of the unsung hero
1: yeah when you're the fourth receiver on your on your roster and you you know you have a chance to do something like that I mean Colt Beasley is a bigger name than he is coming into that ball game and now you know it's a, a chance for you to shine a chance for you to to make some money, to make a long-term, you know, to, to, to have people understand, you know what, in the biggest of stages, I can do some amazing things. And a lot of times it's just a matter of, of right place, right time, but you still got to have the ability. I mean, there's no way you're in that situation that, unless you can run, catch, can run routes, can be effective on on the outside. I mean, he's a, he's a special player, and we really haven't heard that much about him. I, if I'm him – I am. Uh, I'm so excited about my future. I think in Buffalo too. They're 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 gonna they're gonna love having that guy that now has done it. Uh, gives them another real weapon that they know they can count on, and uh, the future is bright for that kid. So I, I'm. If I'm him, I'm super happy. Of course, even though they lost a the game, you're disappointed. Uh, he was able to break NFL record four touchdowns in one game against the Kansas City team te- te- team that will probably win the super bowl in my opinion i think they're the best team out there um and, and they're red hot right now but it's just fun to to watch kids make a name for themselves in a stage like that in an environment like that where you had to make plays and they made them time after time both teams really did and that's why it's one of the game, best games we've ever seen
2: yeah not only making a name for himself but probably providing his family his kids his grandkids with some generational wealth i mean that game alone <laughs> that that should lead to a nice payday when he's due Let's talk about some of the other games this weekend because I mean, they were all fantastic in their own right up until that bills chiefs game. The first three all ended on game winning field goals as time expired by the visiting team. So let's go backwards here. Let's start with Sunday afternoon Brady and the bucks Stafford and the Rams Rams jump out 27, three. And then Tom does what we all knew Tom could do. I mean, you love Brady probably more than anyone I know who isn't like (laughs) born and raised in, in Massachusetts. What's going yeah. through your mind when they're down twenty-seven-three and Tom starts to do his thing?
1: Yeah, I can. I just can appreciate uh, the his skill level and mm-hmm. his decision making, and whether he's down or up, what he does in the midst of uh, turmoil, or like like a couple of weeks ago when AB decided to throw his pads on the sideline and walk off the field. They were down to the Jets on the road, and he was able to uh, compartmentalize everything and 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 go out there and come back and and get the W and same thing in this game they're down 27 to 3 much like they uh much like they were against the Falcons several years ago 5 years ago in the Super Bowl matchup where it looked so bleak and yet he he just time after time in those situations he doesn't collapse he doesn't give in he doesn't give an inch he's like let's do one play right at a time and we're going to get ourselves back in this game and and anything can happen we saw kind of anything can happen on the other side with the Rams it's like they acres fumbled in a bad spot on the field Uh, They had the pre-snap snap snap that Stafford wasn't expecting uh, where they got the ball back. I mean, several things had to happen. There's no doubt. uh, And Brady's been lucky in some situations, but there's that pressure that he, 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 he puts on the other team because they know if you make one mistake, he's going to capitalize because he does play plays it the right way. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't try to do too much. He takes what they give him and it just over and over and over. And he's so good at clock management. So I think teams kind of, they, 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 they get a little tight, you know, because he's sitting on the other side. And when momentum shifts and, and he starts to do his thing, it doesn't all come at once. It's just it's methodical. Boom, 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 boom. Just like it was in that Falcons game in the, in the Super Bowl where he was able to come back and they got all the momentum going. Uh, you know, he got all the momentum going back their way. Now, it takes a full team to understand how to do that. But when you got Brady making those decisions, it's the belief. Uh, you know in that huddle and so that's why he's able to do it all the time it's just he is so good at at understanding where he's at on the field compartmentalizing what he's got to do and then also being very very good with the playcock they they scored a little bit too fast on that fourth and one with Fournette with 42 seconds because they we know the rams have big time weapons on the outside and it hurt them because they break down in secondary and I'm sure you'll want to talk a little bit about Tampa's defense breaking down at the end of the game, but Stafford made some great throws to finish out that ball game.
2: Yeah, I mean Stafford's a guy who, look, you can't put him on Brady's level career-wise, but right now, I mean, this season, I think he showed uh, in 2022 he's just as good as Tom Brady, just as good as almost any quarterback in the league, maybe with the exceptions of Mahomes and uh, and Josh Allen. Stafford's a baller, and yeah. he does have the luxury, Josh, of having one of the best weapons in football. Cooper Cup, who I mean, when I describe him to people, because a lot of people, if they you know haven't followed the Rams closely the past few years, he kind of came out of nowhere to some this season. But he's a guy who the way I describe his style is he doesn't waste a step when he runs routes, he runs the most crisp, precise routes. He's elusive as hell. He doesn't beat you with straight line speed, but he just knows the exact route he's running and he knows the best way to beat you every single time. Also, a great blocker, team first wide out. What does having a wide receiver like Cooper cup on your team do for you as a quarterback?
1: Oh, it makes things, it makes things easy. Right. I mean, it's like, when you have, when you have great receivers or a great run game, it's like Baker Mayfield last year with the Browns, when they ran the football, well, Baker looked like he looked great this year. They didn't run it like they did last year and he looked uh, abysmal, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's just, it takes every little piece, but when you've got a great receiver like that, it's like, what the San Francisco 49ers in the eighties hang their hung their hat on Jerry Rice, right. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the best, you know, athlete on the field, but yet he understood exactly where to be. He caught everything on his way. He didn't miss a step. Like you said, there was not one thing that he didn't do, uh, you know, to perfection. And whether he was a four, four guy or a four, six guy, it really didn't matter. He could get open. He understood how to stop and start a lot like Steph Curry does in in basketball. It's like he plays at a different pace and then he blows by you. You know, it's Steve Nash had the same thing. Chris Paul does it in in basketball. And it's like Cooper Cup's a lot bigger than people think. He's six three. Uh, you know, he's over 200 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a good uh, sized receiver, right? And he, he's, I mean, the, the sell route that he got open on, on that first down that Stafford threw it to him where they got the big chunk 20 yards. And then he beat the secondary deep on that last play that got him down inside the 20 and the red zone. Then they kicked the easy field goal. Uh, Gay hit a 30 yarder to beat him, but he ran two great routes and understood where he was on the field and how to really take advantage of that secondary and find the open spots. I mean, that's really what it is, is running to green grass and finding like Edelman did that for years. You know, he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he found green grass and, and he was super, uh, uh, you know, he was super successful by doing that. And, and Cooper Cup's got more size, more speed, more strength than even Edelman. So it's fun to watch what he's doing, you know, every Sunday.
2: Yeah. And now you've mentioned that last play twice, and we've got to talk about it. Chris Carter on good morning football was talking about that play and I thought you know he brought up a great point that a lot of people don't realize Cooper Cup on that last post route down the middle of the field that set up the game-winning field goal he was a decoy on that play he was meant to just you know draw some attention from the off. Bucks and hopefully the Rams found something underneath that could get him in range for you know a 45 50 yarder instead of the eventual what chip shot you know 30 something yep. yarder that it was but he still sold out he went 110 percent as a decoy, he ended up being the open guy and puts them in chip shot range. So if you're Tampa Bay, how do you let that happen, right? I mean, selling out on the Blitz, don't you just want to send the game to overtime? Like, you know, you played for Bruce Arians in Cleveland. What's going on there between Arians and Todd Bowles? How did that mistake happen?
1: It's a breakdown in coverage for sure. You got no time. They had no timeouts either. So Mm. they can't stop the clock. And when Winfield got beat deep, in that situation, you you cringe because you've seen it happen. I've seen it happen before, I think, in a Viking Saints game a couple years ago where something weird happened twice. I think it was two years in a row the Saints got beat on funky plays at the end of the games. In yeah, the playoffs. Minnesota but
2: Miracle with Stephon Diggs. The Minnesota,
1: yeah, with Diggs on the sideline. Um, you just can't let that happen. So, that's a serious breakdown. But Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, is a defensive back guy. Like, he wants to make sure those guys are in the right place at the right time all the time. And so I bet you he couldn't sleep last night because, and he was a defensive back coach when I was in Cleveland for three years with Bruce Arians. so I've known him forever, but, but I promise you, you know, those things can't happen if you're going to win a Super Bowl because every little thing matters. Stafford uh, kudos to him for seeing that, that Winfield was a little bit low and that, that there was a chance for Cooper, uh, uh, Cooper cup to run right by him. And he did it and he laid up a perfect pass. I mean, it's hard to even try those passes in those situations, but when you saw him, uh, I think probably leave the line of scrimmage and cut, cut, understanding where he's at, and then Stafford understanding where Winfield was at on that play, he just was able to to do something really amazing for the Rams and, and hit that big ball.
2: Yeah, I think yesterday we really saw what chemistry can do, and, and you see, you know, every week. But specifically, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford having that chemistry to understand like, hey, you're probably a decoy on this play. But, you know, if I got you, I got you. And then Travis Kelsey uh, spoke about it on the game winning touchdown in overtime, Kansas City Buffalo. How Mahomes just audibled, do what you want, do what you want at the line of scrimmage. And Kelsey just got open in the corner of the end zone. That literally unspoken chemistry where guys just have the, you know, the understanding that if one of them's open, they're going to get found. I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's what separates the best teams from the teams that come up just short.
1: I agree. I think there's certain situations on the field where a defense can take something away, but they have to, they give you something by taking something away. You can't defend every little thing or every inch of grass. We talk about every blade of grass. Uh, You know, if you, if you can, if you've got great players on the perimeter and you've got a great tight end and you can run the football, and you you have great uh, you know you have great screen game or whatever. It's like for many years the Patriots had some of all that balance. It's like it's it's it makes it so difficult for a defensive uh, defensive team to stop uh, down in down out. And when you give quarterbacks four downs in in prevent situations or in two minute drill situations. Uh, percentages go way up, right? Because, you know, it's like you, you, you're you almost playing backyard football. When you've got a guy like Josh Allen or Mahomes or Stafford or Brady and you give them four downs, those guys are super lethal because they're super comfortable. And then they understand where everybody's at on the field. And then they can determine where to go with the football and create big plays and big moments. And, like, when you've got receivers like Cup and Kelsey, it makes things just tremendously even better you know for guys like that Mike Evans we saw him yesterday go right by uh, Jalen Ramsey that was a big play in that ballgame you know and Brady was able to see it and hit it and when you can see it and hit it and those guys are special on the outside then now you got something really really good
2: well there's two more guys that have some of the best chemistry in the league and it's about time we give your LSU Tigers their propers here Joe Burrow (laughs) Jamar Chase I mean you know we're calling Cincinnati LSU North right? It's like an extension of the Baton Rouge campus. What's going on there is incredible. (laughs) Year two for Burrow, year one for Chase, they're going to the AFC title game. And it's been overshadowed by, you know, yesterday Brady's loss and then the Bills Chiefs game. But what the Bengals did, going to Tennessee, knocking off a one seed, they're having an incredible season. I mean, you've seen Burrow longer than most of us have. But what has he done this year in this run specifically that even has you surprised?
1: I think it's his toughness, man. That's what I keep going back to is his confidence and his toughness. He got sacked eight times yesterday. When guys get hit hit around that much, uh, they usually don't have much success on a Sunday. And for him to throw for 348 yards or whatever he threw for, uh, it's just amazing. Like, There are some plays like he threw it it out on the perimeter to to Jamar Chase, the LSU receiver, uh, and he caught the ball low, and he took it like 60 yards. I mean, he's got some guys that are making plays now. Joe Mixon is no joke either, and now the Bengals believe in – they believe in what they have offensively, and the sky's the limit, and they know the future is – the best is yet to become. I mean, they really are coming along fast. No one really thought the Bengals would would get to an AFC championship game this year, especially with Burrow coming – off of a, a big injury last year. I think he's the first overall pick to get to a, uh, to win a divisional game in the history of the NFL in his first two years. So, I mean, he's doing some amazing things. You know, we got we got some great quarterbacks in the AFC right now. When you think about – we were talking about that last night, too. I give Jack some props my brother on that. He goes, man, the AFC's got some great QBs. I mean, across the board, you can really – Uh, look at some of the things that they're doing and go wow and burrow's just one of those that are at the very top uh, you know of his game and and to be able to be that good this early uh is pretty special so they're they're fun fun team to watch
2: yeah no no doubt about that man so here's my question now how competitive can your Bengals? and i say your because of all the lsu uh connections How competitive can your Bengals be against Kansas City in Arrowhead next week? Because the offensive line, if they play like that two weeks in a row, I'm worried about them.
1: I am, too. You know, I think the vulnerability of the Kansas City Chiefs is in the back end of their defense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Tyron Matthew went out yesterday, and that caused some real issues for them in the secondary. And Josh Allen was able to hit some of those big plays that he needed to hit, and they were able to move the football. Cincinnati only scored nineteen points. Kansas City scored forty-two. So I'm thinking Kansas City is gonna win by a touchdown or two. I know the line's seven, it was six and a half. I think it's seven now. I like Kansas City at Arrowhead. They're as hot as any team I've seen in a long time, especially offensively. There were so many question marks the first month or two of the of the season about them offensively. Has Mahomes lost a little bit of his of his uh you know luster? But now with Tyreek Hill playing the way he is, Hardman, uh, Nicole Hardman, uh, I love Clyde edwards hilaire being back. I think the kid uh, from Minnesota, the second team running back that started yesterday, number one, I forget the running back's name while we're talking. But he's he's having McKinnon? a heck of a yeah, McKinnon having mm-hmm. a heck of a run, and yeah. then Kelsey. I mean they've got all that they need on offense. can their defense? make Cincinnati punt the football if they can it's going to be lights out Kansas City but if Cincinnati can control the ball and move it up and down the field a little bit then this game could get real serious at the end of the ball game I do like Kansas City in the game I think they win by double digits but Cincinnati could come out of this thing looking okay if they can continue drives and move the football and keep that offensive all, all, off the field for Kansas City
2: I, I hope the Bengals make it competitive, man, because Joe Burrow's just so damn good. And, you know, you mentioned the AFC. It's just it's a fool's riches of quarterbacks. Herbert didn't even make the playoffs. Lamar this year was injured, didn't even make the playoffs. It, it's just too good. And, you know, everyone talks about Mahomes and Allen for years to come. Well, Joe Burrow's the guy playing this weekend. So I, I really hope <laughs> that he can lead his Bengals and uh, and put up a fight in Kansas City. The one game we haven't gotten to yet, San Francisco Green Bay. It was an absolute snooze fest. I'm sorry. I hate that the 49ers are still alive because Jimmy G I think was the 14th best out of the 14 starting quarterbacks to make the playoffs this year. But Aaron Rodgers, who is once again bounced from the playoffs earlier than anticipated. What's next for Aaron Rodgers, Josh?
1: I don't know. You know, there's, there's a couple of situations out there uh, that could be very good for him. Um, You know, I know, Another another thing we were talking about earlier today is the Titans. Uh, you know, with Tannehill playing bad, you could think that Aaron Rodgers going to Nashville uh, could be unbelievable with the team that they have around Derrick, around him if he went with Derrick Henry and Brown and all those boys that they've got uh, on offense and a great defense and Brable and what they do. I mean, that's a fun spot to play. But, I mean, I, I see him as a Green Bay Packer. It was like when Favre was in Green Bay when he went to Minnesota kind of threw me off a little bit. It was like, he doesn't look good in the purple. <laughs> he looks good in that, you know, in the yellow helmet. I mean, I just, so so it would be hard to watch him anywhere else. It was hard for me to swallow when Brady went, when, when he was going to leave New England and, and go to Tampa, but we've had a lot of fun watching him. So, I mean, he's such a great player that wherever he goes, he's going to have success. He's going to pick a good team. He's not going to pick a situation where he's not going to have success or not going to feel like he can have success. And when you're confident, and you've got a great team around you. Uh, you know, that's, that's the main thing and that's what's going to help him. But I like him in green Bay, man. I just, I can't believe that he can't win against San Francisco. I really can't. He, you know, they, I think he's Owen four against them in the playoffs and yeah. he's had a tough time with them, but that was really the whole team had a tough time. Uh, san francisco's defense is really good though
2: no there's no doubt look it's a great defense and special teams green bay has just been abysmal all year you know they got that field goal blocked you hit that field goal you go up 10 nothing at halftime that's probably the ball game and then the punt yeah. block, scoop and score that was just the icing on top but uh i don't know you know i'm really disappointed in rogers marches down the field gets that touchdown in the first five minutes and then is mia the other 55 minutes of the game I mean, if you take away the one reception where Aaron Jones at the end of the first half snuck down the sideline, got wide open, that's a 75-yard pass. You take that out of the equation, he only threw for 150 yards. And most of those was on the first drive. It's just, to me, I want to ask you, do you have any of uh, of an issue with Rodgers this year seemingly being a distraction to his team and then coming up short? Because I think, you know, the weekly appearances on McAfee and constantly being in the headlines whether it was the wordplay saying he's immunized to the media or taking you know showing everyone his COVID toe that they called it I just feel like it was a lot going on off the field and at the end of the day you came up short again and he's come up short consistently for a decade now
1: yeah I think he's the most efficient QB we've ever seen but I think in crunch time you know there's been some situations where things could have gone his way that didn't um last year they pulled the plug on him and and didn't go for it on fourth down, which was a big mistake, I think, by LaFleur. And then this year they just look really bad on offense. And I mean, he went twenty to twenty nine for two twenty five. Those aren't those aren't Aaron Rodgers like numbers. I guess completion percentage wise they are, but you know, there was no real firepower behind what they were trying to do. Like you said, they look uh, dismal on offense. So you hate to see that, but again, San Francisco's a really good team and they have his numbers. Shanahan's a great coach. And so, yeah. you know, do do you know all the off-field stuff. I mean, I think he plays so well week in, week out. You can't really put your finger on it, but mm. us because we watch a lot of the things that he does do in the in his off time, we wonder: Is this mean everything to him? Does the game at the end of the season, the Super Bowl, mean everything to him, or does he just like throwing up all those great numbers and being the most efficient quarterback of all time, which he is? And I can't fault him for that. I just I think that maybe too he doesn't have uh, a great, great supporting cast on that offensive side sometimes when it gets down to nut- t- time in the playoffs and some of these other guys have more weapons. But uh, Aaron Rodgers is the ultimate weapon. He's got to figure out a way to win when they need it at the end of the season. He's got one Super Bowl and he's one of the greatest players we've ever seen. So uh, I think he wants to get one more be- before he retires. But um, you know, the same thing was with, with Peyton, you know, with Manning. He had one forever. His brother had two. Eli had two, and he wasn't near the quarterback. Peyton was uh, really when you when it really boils down to it, and he was able to win one at the end of his career in Denver. Maybe Aaron goes somewhere else and wins one, and we we kind of forget this type of conversation.
2: Yeah, maybe. But I'll tell you what, I just think it boils down to one thing. Those Louisiana boys have ice in their veins at the end of the day. And, <laughs> and you know, those Cali kids can be a little soft. <laughs> Josh, be- before we wrap it up, man, Super Bowl 56 in L.A. I know I'm going to see you out there in a couple weeks. I can't wait. I've been saying since August, the Chiefs bounce back from that terrible showing, specifically by the O-line in Tampa, and they win their second Super Bowl in three years. So I can't go back on that. It was Chiefs over the Packers. Now I'm going Chiefs over the Rams. What's your call?
1: Chiefs over the Rams, if everything stays healthy, if everybody stays healthy, it's so key, like last year with the Chiefs, uh, they were playing kind of playing behind the eight ball because of the lineman situation and and the, the injuries up front for that offense, and And Tampa got all after, you know, got all after Mahomes early, and it was kind of like, whoa, you know, they weren't the same team. And so, Mm -hmm. if everybody, if every, if everything stays the way that it is, I like Kansas City. They're the hottest team. They got a lot of weapons. Mahomes has been there. He wants to avenge last year's loss. I think the Rams are a good team, but they've not won one, and Stafford's not won one. Can he? you know, take them all the way against the Mahomes or Red Hot Mahomes. I I don't know. I think that's going to be a heck of a show. We've seen these teams play against one another before in prime time or in Super Bowl situations, and the Rams didn't have Stafford. Stafford's going to be the difference maker. They could play them tight, but I'd still like Kansas City in a slugfest. I'm talking about a 31-30 type game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Man, I hope it's the game we see. If we get out there, maybe we'll figure out a way to put a bull on it. But, Josh, thank you so much for the time, man. And I'll see you in LA in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Joe. You're the best, brother. Of course. We'll be right back with my final word on Sorallo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word here on this episode. Episode 51 of Sorallo Sports Talk. What a great spot. It always is. Doesn't even surprise me at this point. My man, Josh Booty, breaking down all the games from this past weekend with me. And you know, it's really not fair because we only get so long on this show and, well, we get as long as I want, it is a podcast, but, you know, not too many people want to listen to a two-hour show, and so we didn't even get to really break down in full games like the Buccaneers and the Rams, right, where the Rams go up, you know, at halftime, what was it, 20-3, to and then squeak out a 30-27 to win, the game's tied at 27, we didn't even get to dive too deep into Burrow and the Bengals, going into Nashville, stomping out the Titans, Uh, I mean all of these amazing games this weekend, there was not one dud. And I opened up last episode, episode 50, by saying that the reason I waited until late in the week to have the episode that I didn't do an episode right after wildcard weekend was because the games were duds, right? There was one good game. It was San Fran and Dallas. And then there were five duds. And this weekend, divisional weekend, which I always say is the best weekend of football every year. Not a single dud right? Every game came down to a score on the final play. First time that's ever happened in divisional weekend, right? Three field goals I mentioned the first three games, three game-winning field goals as time expires by the road dogs. And then in the final game, the home favorite scores a touchdown in overtime to end it. Absolutely unheard of, unimaginable, right? You could not think this up. You could not dream this up that in a weekend where there are four games, each and every game would come down to a score on the final play as time expires, or in the overtime case, you know, sudden death situation, you can't make it up. So while I I don't get to give the Rams and Bucks and the Bengals and Titans the time that those two games deserved, we've got to talk about the situation in Green Bay. Because this was probably the worst game of the four in terms of fun. I mean, it was just as tight, just as close as every game. Had the late excitement, San Francisco blocking the punt, scooping it up for a touchdown. But this was the worst game. Because the Green Bay Packers should have made sure that this was the one game all weekend that wasn't all that exciting, that wasn't fun. This was the game that should not have been fun. Why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo was far and away the worst quarterback of the eight still standing. In fact, if you go back to Wild Card Weekend, and yes, I know Jalen Hurts is included in this group, and I know that a 70-year-old Big Ben Roethlisberger is included in this group. I would say if you go back to wildcard weekend, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the last quarterback of the 14 total that made the playoffs that I'm picking on my team, right? If we're at recess and I'm picking a quarterback for some two-hand touch football, Jimmy Garoppolo is the last one I'm picking. I'm picking Jalen Hurts before him, and I'm even taking Ben because I trust his arm at the end of the day more than I trust Jimmy G's. He has no business advancing, and it stinks because the 49ers deserve this from a team perspective. They have a hell of an offensive line that just really hung in there all day long. Green Bay had a pretty good pass rush, but the 49ers offensive line, especially when it came to moving the ball on the ground, really tough. Debo Samuel is a stud who deserves to be on every TV screen in the country, does whatever he's asked like it's college football, receiver, running back, doesn't matter, right? That defense is absolutely incredible, reminding everyone, hey, we were in the Super Bowl two years ago down in Miami because of our defense. And then the special teams, which people have actually criticized. Kyle Shanahan has said his special teams unit has given him headaches all year. And that's what won them the game. They blocked a Mason Crosby field goal at halftime. That if he hits that field goal, Green Bay goes up 10-0. We don't even get to the situation in the end of the game where the scoop and score on the blocked punt ties things up and then they have a chance to win it, right? Crosby hits that field goal. That's it. That's the game at halftime. 10-0 at halftime. is That's too much for San Fran to overcome right there. So first, special teams does that. Then, which I've already mentioned twice now, they block the punt, scoop and score, and all of a sudden, holy crap, it's in our defense's hands just to get us the ball back and give Robbie Gold, who in his, I guess at this point, 15, nearly 20-year career, has never missed a kick in the postseason. Now it's on him to win us the game. And I mean, you know, we saw Harrison Bucker almost lose it for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a guy who, statistically, is the second best kicker of all time, right? Most accurate kickers of all time. In fact, there's only two that have hit over 90% of their kicks in their career. It's Justin Tucker, the GOAT best kicker of all time, and then Harrison Bucker, 90.1% of his career kicks going into that game against Buffalo. Robbie Gold happens to be the guy you want in the postseason. Robbie Gold won it for San Fran, right? He was one of those three visiting away kickers to kick game-winning field goals as time expired but he should never have had a chance to. And it is time to stop feeling sorry for Aaron Rodgers. There is no room to feel bad for Aaron Rodgers anymore. We have made too many excuses for his postseason incompetence, for his failure to win the big game. We have blamed it on Brian Gutekunst and not using his draft picks or not signing enough free agents to put a roster around Aaron Rodgers that can win a Super Bowl. We have blamed it on coaching. We've said that Mike McCarthy forgot how to manage games, that he was out of touch, and Aaron Rodgers needed a young new mind, enter Matt LaFleur in three straight 13-win seasons, and yet Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, gets what he asks for. He gets a restructured contract, an opportunity to make this his final season in Green Bay, announces through some cryptic Instagram crap that it's his last dance trying to be Michael Jordan, he gets what he wants, and he lets his team down. He marches down the field on the opening drive and scores a quick, easy touchdown in five minutes to go up 7-0, and you think Green Bay is going to win this game 28-13. to And then the rest of the game, he lays an egg. He fails to make throws. If you take away that one play at the end of the first half when Aaron Jones just snuck out into coverage and was absolutely wide open... You take away that 75-yard pass to Aaron Jones right there, and Aaron Rodgers only threw for 150 other yards in the entire game. He did nothing to help his team win. In the second half, he was absolutely useless. He missed throws. He complained. He didn't prolong plays the way we saw Patrick Mahomes numerous times. Patrick Mahomes' pocket collapsed, and he extended plays. Now, Aaron Rodgers said he loves the snow because everyone else around him is slipping and sliding, and it slows things down, and he knows what he's doing. And everything around him slows down, but he's still moving at game speed. Aaron Rodgers was probably moving, both mentally and physically, the slowest I've ever seen him. And I know, he's in his late 30s, I believe he's 38 years old, right? I get that but he's still known as a pretty mobile quarterback. We still see him when he needs to run and create plays or at least extend them with his legs. And there was none of that against San Francisco. There was no mental toughness. The same mental toughness that I thought Tom Brady didn't show up with against LA. Now Brady recouped and we saw it in the second half. It was missing in the first half. Rodgers had it in the first five minutes and then in the final 55 minutes, it disappeared. Look, were Green Bay's special teams absolutely atrocious? Yes. I mentioned the block field goal. I mentioned the block punt that turned into a touchdown. But at the end of the day, if Aaron Rodgers throws just one touchdown in this game, he's hosting the NFC championship game. In fact, he's playing in his third straight NFC championship game if he throws just one touchdown. He got his wish. He got better players. Special teams stunk. That was the best Green Bay defense we've seen in years. Best by far Green Bay defense that we've seen in probably a decade. Zadarius Smith returned. He made plays. Jarry Alexander made plays. Green Bay's defense was phenomenal this season. Devondre Campbell, an all-pro who came out of nowhere on a one-year flyer deal, right? A a prove-it deal becomes an all-pro. Aaron Rodgers had the most competent roster around him from top to bottom that we've seen in a long time, and he still couldn't deliver, he even had the weather and the elements on his side, right? Below freezing, and this, is, this isn't this is against the spread stat for you, but as you can imagine, Green Bay's won more of these games than they've actually covered, but just against the spread below freezing 34-11-1. Jimmy G had never played a game below freezing, and boy, it showed. It showed. He was atrocious. There is no reason that Jimmy Garoppolo should have been the quarterback leaving Lambeau Field with a win attached to his name on Saturday. But Aaron Rodgers, once again, showed that he does a lot of talking and a lot of pushing how he feels and promoting why he's right and he knows everything and he's the smartest guy in the world. But at the end of the day, he's kind of whiny and he didn't get the job done yet again. He's got a losing record in the postseason since winning his only Super Bowl against Pittsburgh over a decade ago. People want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and put him in the GOAT conversation with Tom Brady, you can't put him in the conversation with Joe Montana. Because Joe Montana, at the end of the day, while he was nowhere near as physically talented as Rodgers, and yes, Aaron Rodgers has the most insane touchdown to interception ratio in NFL history, Joe Montana won four Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has only been there once. Yes, he won it. But one Super Bowl? Trent Dilfer has one Super Bowl, right? My guy Eli Manning, Has two. There's no reason that Eli Manning himself should have as many Super Bowls as Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers combined. No reason at all that that should be the case. There is some serious underperforming going on in Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers finally needs to be held accountable. The excuses have gotten too far out of hand. Brian Gudekinst, his GM, did his job, put players on the field around him. Matt LaFleur, we all know Rodgers loves him, right? They had that contentious little butting of heads at first when Rodgers was like, yeah, no, he's not telling me I can't audible, right? The first few weeks of training camp. Now, three years in, it seems like the perfect marriage and the person to blame for Green Bay not winning, not getting past the NFC Championship game or this year, not even getting to the NFC Championship game. That person is Aaron Rodgers. And I just don't know where it goes from here because if he runs away from Green Bay, And he goes to an Indianapolis, a Pittsburgh, a Denver, and he tries to chase a Super Bowl somewhere else. Maybe he'll get it, right? Maybe he'll perform. But in my eyes, and I think the eyes of many, he'll always be tainted as the guy who spent his last year in Green Bay talking more about vaccines and being immunized than he did ultimately achieving his goal, right? If Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, All of that's forgiven, right? Misleading and lying to the media and to the fans, that's forgiven, right? I mean, being just spewing false alternative facts, if that's what he wants to call them, that can be forgiven if you win a Super Bowl. But now, you were a distraction to your team all season long, and at the end of the day, you've got nothing to show for it. And you haven't had anything to show for it for over a decade. Aaron Rodgers is a disappointment. And just like that episode 51 of sorallo sports talk is up it's over it's out of here special thanks to my guy josh booty he's always the best to have on hey guys it looks like we might have one more episode between now and la i can't wait los angeles here i come i just shoveled snow for like the fourth time in the past three weeks la i cannot wait see you next week